Good. All right. I'm sorry about that. I forgot I had it on mute. We are going to look here in 2 Corinthians. Thank you for being here. We had a great day. Many, many good crowd here this morning. A lot of visitors. And uh, thank you for continuing to invite, invite people. I hope you'll join us. Our last, it's our last summer saturation this week on Tuesday before we, uh, before we take the break right before school. Of course, we're going out on Saturdays and encourage you to continue to to do that. We're going to look at a certain thought here in this chapter this evening that I want to share. I mentioned this morning as we were talking, my first point, we were talking about the mind, how um, we have, in our society, we have developed a, a quitter's mentality, right? People quit everything quickly. Uh, the first time something is difficult or hard, um, they, just, they just don't stick it out. They have to, they have to bail, uh, we don't have any tenacity at all in our country. Um, and by the way, you might want to teach your kids to do that. Uh, I, we, we know what the world pushes, but teach your kids to, to finish stuff and, and, and stick with it. And, well, you know, the, uh, you know the, the, uh, my boss was mean to me. Uh, you know what? The next boss may be worse. Okay? You know, uh, well, you know, I just, I'm struggling with Just get through it. We quit way too easy on things. And the problem is we bring that into our, our um, we bring that into Christianity. Everything's wonderful. By the way, everybody, when they first come to a church and they first like the church, this place is great. I know, because all you know is the good. And I'm not saying there's a lot of bad. But here's what you find out when you've been at, that sounded bad, right? We hide all the bad. Don't worry about it. You never find out. Uh, but what, we, what you do find out is that people here, here we go, you ready? They're human also. Right? And so uh, we expect them to walk on water, although we don't even walk on water. And, and it's just easy when you start getting that mentality, and then you can always find a reason to quit. And so we have to just stick it out. Now, when it comes to serving the Lord, there's a lot. You can find a lot of reasons. I know somebody, if I mention the name, you'll know, you would, you would know who it is, who was serving the Lord in ministry. And by their own testimony, they gave a testimony where they said things started going sideways. And it got so bad in their life, they said that they were ready to quit. They were getting discouraged. They were looking around. One of the things they said, just the difficulty of serving the Lord. And they looked around at people that weren't saved and people that weren't Christians. And, and it seemed like... Everything was going good for them, but here they are trying to serve God, and, and, and things are tougher. And, and it seems like they're not getting the breaks that unsafe people were getting, and that the wicked people, they were, they were really living it up. But this person said they were in the house of God. And when they were in the house of God, they heard a message that changed them. And they realize that regardless of what a person has in this world, if they don't have a relationship with God, they have nothing. And this person continued on in ministry. Now, if you read your Bible, you know who that is. It's a psalmist by the name of Asaph. His story is in Psalm chapter 73. He wrote 11, I believe, 11 different psalms. What does that teach us? That teaches us that it's natural to get discouraged. It's natural to get down sometimes. It's natural to, to, to go through a rough patch in life. And if we're not careful, we, we focus on that rough patch. And it can cause us to slip in our Christian faith. But many people have what I would call a, 
a quitter's mentality. We live in a time when, when we've been given everything and our government's not helping with that. And I'm not against helping people in need. Don't get me wrong. But people now have a mentality where like everything should just be, be given to them and we ought to be protected from everything. And that's just not life. I'm just going to be honest with you. Life, you face tough times. And you're, you're going you're to face it. And if you're not of the mentality to stick it out, life isn't going to be very good for you. We live in a time where people can't find employees. You know, they, they, they whine. I've been to places where I, I, one place, I, I stopped to get a, year, a couple years ago, Jamba Juice. And while we were waiting in line and it was super slow, the employees are talking about, one employee is talking about like she has an interview somewhere else. And found out that was the manager. And they were whining as everybody was waiting in line. Now, I'm a Christian. I didn't want to say anything. But somebody else next to me heard her whining, and they were not a Christian. And they went off on them. Like, no wonder you guys are so slow. You're talking about getting another job. I'm like, hey, I wouldn't do that. But, you know, I'll sign my name to that if you want to keep going. But we just have this mentality. We want everything. Uh, you know, even our young people, they don't want to be in ministry because ministry is hard after all. I say it over and over, no one wants to be the next pastor or missionary, but they all want to be the next Russell Anderson, a millionaire who gives to the work of God. And by the way, I'm not against that. But you know what they're saying? I want the easy path. Life isn't like that. Many, are, are, many of us have, have become lazy. We're only interested in putting in effort in the things which we enjoy, not in life's responsibilities. We have a generation of young men that have grown up and they're really good at video games. But they're very good at nothing else. They're willing to live in mama and daddy's basement well into their 30s so they can play video games and they don't want to get married. They don't want to have children. I'm, 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 I'm getting on something here. I'm, I can feel it. So they can play their video games. That's not life. It's not life at all. Most of us, when we experience difficulties, we shrink. We've been given everything, so we'll sacrifice nothing. We've been protected from everything, so we flee from pain. We've been promised the world, so we reject difficulty. And we've been pampered, so we run from responsibility. But that's not how it should be. We're going to look at Paul, the apostle. Okay? The greatest Christian in the New Testament. And he faced a lot of things. He was a strong guy. He was not physically strong. We hear from scripture and history that he was very weak and had physical problems, but he was strong in the Lord. This section of scripture, Paul is rehearsing all the difficulties he faced as he served God and traveled sharing the gospel. Paul ministered in unfriendly places. Read it in the book of Acts. He was often in unfavorable circumstances. Paul could be the poster child for having reasons to quit on God. Or maybe not quit on God completely, but quit on what God wanted him to do and backtrack. But all the trials and problems he listed, that he lists, are good reasons for quit, quitting, but he didn't quit. The key phrase when it comes in this passage of scripture about Paul sticking it out, we see it in verse 1. He says, as we have received mercy, he said, we faint not. You know what he's saying? We didn't quit. Verse 16, after he goes through everything, he says, For which cause we faint not. Paul didn't see his difficulties as an opportunity to step away from God. He just saw it as something 
that needed to be dealt with as he pursued God. Why didn't Paul quit? Because he understood the importance of what God had called him to do. Look at the first, uh, the first few words of, of verse 1. He says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry. You see, Paul had something that was more important to him than his personal comfort. Paul had something that was more important to him than the trials and the circumstances and the persecution that he faced. Where did he get this purpose? It was revealed to him right after his salvation. You can turn over there. I'm just going to read it, but you can turn over there. It's a very good verse. Paul gave his testimony often. And in, verse, in Acts chapter 26, in verse 16, he says this. As he's talking through his salvation experience, he goes, But rise and stand upon his feet, and he's talking as the Lord is speaking to him, For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, here it is, to make thee a minister and a witness of both these things which thou hast seen and of the things which I'll appear unto thee. God told him when he got saved that uh, I have a purpose for you. You're going to be a witness of all the things you've already learned and the things I'm going to teach you. And you're going to be a minister, which basically means a servant. You know what he told Paul? You're going to be a servant and you're going to be a soul winner. That was the purpose. The purpose wasn't just to save him from hell, although that's wonderful. And I'm glad that he saved us. But he had something for us after we're saved. I've heard people say it, you know, if God didn't have anything for us after we're saved, why didn't he just take us to heaven once we got saved? Because he does have a purpose for us. And we have to fulfill. Paul understood that. None of these, serving God and soul winning, will take place unless we are committed to fainting not. The Bible talks much about not quitting on God. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God tells us, I don't want you to quit. Wait upon me. Spend time with me. Be with me. Let me work in you. Let, spend time and set, sometimes we need to step back and, and let God strengthen us and push us out. Spending time with God. We also don't quit when we work for God. A Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not be weary in well-doing. Why? For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. He says, don't quit. And sometimes you do get weary. And sometimes, you know, I get it. You're in choir. Thank you for coming here early and being a part of the practice and being in the choir. That's really important. And it's easy to say, man, other people who aren't in the choir could come a little bit later. There's all kinds of things going on around here. You can get so tired in what you're doing. But he says you don't quit because the more you work and the more you put in, there's fruit. There is, there's a harvest that's coming. But you have to keep working when you want to stop. And then he says in Luke 18, 1, And he spake a parable unto them that men ought always to pray and not to faint. He says keep going. Spend time with me. Spend time praying to me. Don't quit. Many quit and give us all kinds of reasons for why they quit. But in this passage, that was a lengthier introduction, there are two things we need to understand if we're not going to quit. And by the way, I hope you don't want to quit. I hope you, and by the way, usually it comes in stages. But, but you, you start taking steps backward and you're on that path. 
But there are things we need to understand if we're going to keep fighting this battle and serving the God and fulfilling his purpose for our life. The first thing, person, we need to understand is we need to understand ourselves. So you have to understand yourself. There is an eternal battle that we must fight if we're not going to quit. You know, wanting to quit's not wrong. Asaph was not wrong as he fought that battle. And by the way, it's a good thing that we saw that he fought that battle. God used that in the scripture to encourage us in Psalm chapter 73. You know, it's okay to, to have that thought. It's another thing when we give into it. Being discouraged is not wrong. Everybody gets discouraged. Well, some people get discouraged more than others. But even if we're spending time with God, some of the greatest saints of all time battle discouragement. Uh, one of the, they, he's called the Prince of Preachers, uh, Charles Spurgeon. He, bat, he battled it. I think Dale Moody battled it. Others battled it. Uh, uh, Joseph, help me. The, the, there was a biography by a man. He died in his 20s. Um, David Brainerd? David Brainerd. How many, I, I've read it. He, he, he died early. He was trying to reach the Indians. I think it took him seven years to have his first convert. And you read, I read his, uh, bio, I forget what it's called. Maybe it's called the biography of David Brainerd. I don't know. Autobiography. And I saw the, the battles, the personal inward battles that he fought, but he kept going. Sometimes we feel inadequate. And by the way, that's a good thing. Now, not like, oh, well, it's me. You know, I'm, you know when I'm, I'm dirt, when I'm wet, I'm mud, that type of thing. We, we don't need that. But when we understand our inadequacies, we understand we have to rely on God. And when we do, and when something does happen through our life, it's not because of us. It's because God had to use somebody and we were available. But sometimes we allow that to stop us. Sometimes we just feel weak and we get tired. And sometimes we get tempted. And temptation's not wrong. It's when you give in to it. But it's only when we allow these things to lead us to quit that they become wrong. And all these different things I just mentioned, you will either face them you are facing them, or you can give a testimony that you faced them and got through it. See? It's not about being perfect. It's about sticking it out. I love, that's what our, our, our discipleship, continue on. Because I, I, I like that word continue in the New Testament. Keep going. Don't stop. Don't quit. You have all these opportunities, but you want to stop. What are some things that Paul mentioned here that we need to understand about ourselves and we need to watch? First of all, he talks about our lifestyle. Look at verse 2. But we have this, but we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. In the first half of the verse, he's talking about how they lived, because how he lived was going to tie in to how he handled these things that came his way that would cause him to quit. It's one, it looks one thing to, to face the temptations and the discouragement. It's another thing when we're struggling in our life as well. Satan jumps on that. Any opportunity he can get. He, he mentions some things. He says that I've renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. He was truthful and rejected dishonesty. He just wanted to be true in every area of his life. He didn't want to be a fake. He wanted to just, if it was right, it was right. If it was wrong, it was wrong. If he was right, he was right. If he was wrong, he was wrong. He wasn't dishonest. People, look, you ever notice people have no problem lying nowadays. He also rejected deception. He says, not walking in craftiness. 
In other words, he did not inwardly possess the quality of, a, of living a life to deceive people into thinking that he was one thing, but really he was another. You know who you are in your inner life. You come to church and you look good. I mean, as good as some of you can, you know, look. But you know who you are deep down inside. And, and genuine Christianity is when you can deal with that. Genuine Christianity is when it gets beyond the point of what I'm, share, what I'm portraying to others to where I'm concerned about who I really am inside. Okay? That's where the, our, our online stuff is, is pretty bad. You know, look, I know in a room this size, some of you are probably involved in some things you shouldn't be. But no one else knows. Or maybe a few of you have linked up together on some things, and usually we have to get friends when we're doing nonsense like that. Let me ask you this. What's your secret life like? Because I'll just be honest with you, you're not fooling God. You may fool everybody else, but not God knows what's going on in your life. And it's not about if you would get caught. It's not about who knows about it. It's are you concerned that God knows what you're doing? If that's not in your mindset, you are going to have some serious issues in your life. Well, I can sneak around and do this and, and you know, this and that and the other. And it doesn't bother me too much. Does it bother you that God knows? What about if your spouse knew what you were doing? What about if your parents knew what you were doing? What about if your peers knew what you were doing? Oh, well, that would be a different thing. Can I just tell you something? Those people are important, but they are nowhere near as important as God. So let's, be, let's not walk in craftiness. Yes, you think I'm one thing, but in, inward, inwardly I'm something else. He rejected deceitfulness, handling the word of God deceitfully. He didn't twist the word of God to make it fit his personal desires. And I've been doing this a really, really long time. I've heard people twist everything in the Bible so they can do what they want to do. And now it's getting to a ridiculous extreme. We're trying to use the Bible to, to justify transgenderism and, and abortion and all this nonsense. But you're here tonight, you're probably not doing that, but you'll twist it to, to make some of the things you're doing in your life okay. You grew up in our schools, you know better. But now you're a little older, well, you know, the Bible doesn't specifically, you don't even read your Bible. Had a girl a while, oh, years ago when I was youth director, when I lived over on Roxanne, Brother Ross, one of the girls in our youth group came in, she was a single now. And she, we, she was telling me about something going on. We were talking about something she's doing. Well, you know, that's just not my conviction. And I'm like, when's the last time you've read your Bible? I'm like, don't sit here and tell me your conviction when you don't even know anything from the Bible. What you're doing is you're twisting it to fit your lifestyle. This was not the message, but it's okay. And you know why we do that? Because we want to make what we're doing okay. And Satan will help you with that every single time. But you, deep down in your heart, if you would just be honest with yourself, you know it's not right. Why don't you just go with that? And instead of trying to debate someone else what, you, what you're trying to make the Bible stay, why don't you sit down in prayer and debate with God? Okay, we're moving on quickly now. But that secret life's important. 
Because if your life isn't right, you are ripe for Satan to get you to quit. You are. He's got you. You know, we mentioned the verse this morning, he's seeking whom he may devour. That's you. And that would be me. If I'm not, if I'm secretly doing something I shouldn't, Satan goes, got him. So let's be very, very careful. I'm not trying to be mean-spirited, by the way. Let's not get comfortable living a fake life as long as others think we're okay. You know, you may come down here and you may dress right and you got all your I's and T's dotted, but, but when you go home and in your room, you're a train wreck. I encourage you as strongly as I can, please don't live that lifestyle. It's not good for your spiritual life. Sometimes we just get tired of people mocking our life and saying things about us. We're tempted to quit. So our lifestyle, the other points won't be as long. Our lifting. Look at verse 5. He said, for we, one thing we need to understand about ourselves, first of all, our lifestyles and our lifting. Look at verse 5. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. That's why we can't quit. Come on now. Who's going to bring the gospel to this world? Every time a Christian back backs away from God, that's one less person to share the good news. That, that's the whole theme. Now's the time. We don't have time for that. This world needs Christ. And we're not just kidding when we say that, that we can see the end times coming soon. And, and, and our opportunity is going to be done. Now I'm not saying you don't need to drop everything, but we need to be a witness for Christ. And if we understand that there's a purpose in our life greater than ourselves, that'll keep us walking the right line. John 12, 12, Jesus said, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. He was lifted up on the Christ on the cross. Now, why don't we lift that up to this world? We have to understand that God's calling for us to get the message out is more important than the comfort of the messenger. The message is more important than you. The message is more important than me. Okay, the call is more important than comfort. We have to get that out. And if we back away from God, who's going to do it? David, when he was willing to fight Goliath, he gave a reason. And David said, and he's answering a critic, what, now have, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? By the way, people are going to criticize our type of church. Can we just get on board with that? They're not going to like us. I have, it, it, people are, find ignorant reasons not to like everybody, right? I, I posted on, a, on one of my, I only have one social media account. I posted on our youth conference. Man, it was great. I think God did some things in our life, and Brother Gray liked it. And underneath him, a guy I don't even know says, I don't like Brother Gray, therefore I don't like you. I'm like, if you only knew me. I'm like, I don't know who this guy is. You know, him and his nine followers. I, I just say, does that bother you? No, because there's a little thing in the corner. Click, block. Okay, that doesn't bother me. But what happens is some of you follow these nutcases that rip our kind of churches. By the way, those people are anonymous. They don't tell you what church they go to, and they don't tell you what they do for God because they're backslidden, and they don't do anything for God. I don't have time for that. I don't deba- if someone puts something on social media about what I said about our, and it's, I just post things about our church or something good going on about God. I don't post very often. But if someone's critical, I'm like, block. I'm not going to argue with them. 
Well, do you know that? I could care less. They go do what they do. I'm going to do what God wants us to do, and I hope things work out for them, and I'm, I'm glad what's happening here. But what happens is we listen to that nonsense, and we start to back away. And that's all it is, is nonsense. Let's be like, uh, well, I'll get to the next one. So also, let's also make sure we underbound ourselves, our labor. Verse 5, he continues. And ourselves, your servants, for Christ's sake. He was not just sharing a message. He was, lab- he was a laborer doing the work. Because as I said, soul winning and service go together. He goes, look, we're servants for your sake. Do you understand when you're serving in ministry, when you're doing something, you're doing it for the sake of others. And that's okay. And that's a good thing to help, help us walk that line. You're ministering to other people. And whether you realize it or not, people appreciate it. They may not always say it, and some people don't appreciate it. Okay? Some people are just flat out, they'll argue about anything. I had a Sunday school class, when I had Pacific class at the other building, there was a guy in our class, and um, he, he just criticized everything. He started off, here, I'm, I'm, and I'm not kidding, I'm not just, this isn't just preacher talk, he would turn in a, a giving check, and he would write on the edges of the check what he disagreed with in the service. I am not kidding. And I'd see, they'd show the check like, pastor should not have said this. I'm like, look, by the way, if you want to criticize Write it on the edges of a check and turn it in. I'm okay with that. But then he started getting more forceful. He was in my Sunday school class. And I would get done and stand in the back of the old fellowship hall and shake people's hand as they left. And he'd come out and he just came out one time and he shook his head at me. And I'm like, okay. Then the next time he goes, Brother Myers. I'm like, okay, the next week, Brother Myers, you shouldn't. And each week, it was a, he kept adding to it. Eventually, I'm like, just, yeah, move on. I want to shake hands with people that, are, you know, that, that listen. But, but you don't let that stuff get to you. We're, we're serving God. Don't let that get, be like Nehemiah. They, they sent Nehemiah. They kept trying, hey, why don't you come meet with us? He goes, sorry, I'm doing a great work. I don't have time for that. And you are needed. Let me just say that. We preached a whole series on Thursday nights about serving. Get involved. Get involved. What goes, look at, one of the reasons, and I've mentioned before, and I'm not trying to harp, I think God's been blessing our church this summer tremendously and this year fantastically. I think it's because we're reaching people that some people don't reach. By the way, don't ever criticize the bus ministry around me. I love the bus ministry. Well, you know, pastor, they, made, they got dirt on the wall. We'll clean it. It's no worse than you sneaking your coffees in here. Oh, guys, oh, I'm sorry. Calm down. Just, you know, I, it happens. It happens. It happens. Okay. By the way, I don't want you sneaking your coffee in here, and I don't want them spilling stuff on the carpet, but you know what? We'll clean the carpet. We'll clean the wall. If we have to paint the spots, we'll paint the spots. You know, I love the wheelchair folks. We're, we're going to buy a bus and bring more of them. I told them, you folks take the back wall. They're pretty close to it by now, okay? And now we're going to have to, I'm sorry, more of you get to sit upstairs Sunday morning. We'll, we'll just, we're going to knock out some rows and bring more of them. The rest home ministry. How many of you ever, you don't have to raise your hand. You've, have you ever been over to one of those? I've taught them. And I'm going to be honest with you, it's depressing. 
Those dear folks need someone to bring them a message and just love them. And I think God looks at just sharing the gospel in our community. I think God looks at that and says, you know what? You're reaching the people that people don't want to reach. I'm in. It takes laborers. We can't have people that are quitting. This is starting to ramble. Let me hustle. Our light. Look at verse 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We already mentioned this, that this world's in darkness. And by the way, Satan uses that against them. Look at verse 3 and 4. It says, if, if our gospel be, to be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, that's Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Satan's already got a lot of people in darkness. Here's what they don't need. They don't need us helping. How do you defeat darkness? Light. And you know what? If we're not light in this world... We're not helping. We're, we're making Satan's job easier. We don't need Christians that quit. Don't you realize if you quit on God, you're extinguishing the light that the dark world needs so desperately? And I encourage you, don't do it. I wonder how many people in this world could have been reached if some Christians did not quit. Do you know all of us are going to have influence with somebody? All of us in our daily living come in contact with people that Nobody else in this church will. And every person that steps away from God and is unwilling to be a light, that, those people have lost an opportunity for the light. There's, and then we have to understand our limitations. Verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not us. Now the reason we're in this earthen vessel, our flesh, is so that God does the work and God gets the glory but the problem is because we are in the flesh that's limited, sometimes we don't see God's power, the availability of God's power. We just see the limitations of our own flesh. We get down on ourselves. Say, Pastor, I'm just down on myself. I'm discouraged. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. Get encouraged and get back up. Get with someone to encourage you. Ask someone to pray with you. Get in your Bible. And I'm not, I'm not demeaning when we're discouraged. I'm not demeaning when we get down. But you have steps you can take if you'll just take them. There are plenty of friends you have if you're in this church that'll, that'll come behind you, put an arm on your shoulder and say, what can I do for you? And by the way, if you're not discouraged, you be one of those people. Isn't that what Hebrews tells us when it's about coming to church? To provoke one another unto what? Love and good works. And so let's, let's, not, let's not understand that. He says... We have the excellency of his power. Excellency means superiority beyond measure. In other words, God's power is stronger than our weaknesses. So don't use your weakness as an excuse to quit because you have God's power at your disposal. Then secondly, what we need to understand, you say, Pastor, it's already 6 o'clock. The second point's super, it's, it's like super long. Um, we have to understand opposition. See, there's internal opposition we face of ourselves, then there's external opposition. And I just want you to understand a, a couple things about this and we will be done. First of all, understand that outward opposition is not fatal. Look at verse 8. Paul said, we are troubled on every side. And by the way, 
Read the New Testament. Read the book of Acts. He was. He says, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Do you understand what he's saying? For every negative he faced, he said, I could stop and see that it wasn't fatal. We're troubled, but everything will be okay. We're perplexed, we're persecuted, but it's not the end. We have a, by the way, for all the, the, for as strong as the opposition could be, we have a God that's immensely stronger. And you know what? You're not going to see his strength. I'm not going to see his strength until we see our weakness. See, we want God to do things. I hope you do. But you know God does things when things aren't going as well. Usually when there's a problem is when you see God work most. Because when things are going well, God can work, but we just don't see it. But sometimes God's got to bring something so it's, it's fixed in our mind. The problems we have don't have to be fatal. And I'm talking about in our Christian life. Nobody ever has an excuse to say, this happened in my life, and this is why I am justified to walk out on God. Nobody has that. And there's nobody in this room that's went through what Paul went through. Nobody. Now, now again, we feel like it. I'm not saying we don't. But I'm saying we have to stop and think. Paul, Paul made it through crazy stuff. The, the, the believers in the Bible went through ridiculous things. There are people in other countries in this world that are going through hard things. And I'm not discounting how you feel. I'm just saying you don't have to quit. No matter what you're going through, it does not have to be fatal doesn't have to stop you. And then also we need to understand about our opposition. What we're doing, it's not futile. Look at verse 10. He says, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. He says, this is what we're facing. That the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our body. See what he's saying there? He says, man, that dying of Christ, it's happening in our life. But you know why? So the life of Christ can also be manifested in our body. You do realize Jesus died but he resurrected. You understand that? The power he had could overcome death. Paul says we have these problems in our body, but we also, because of those problems, we, the, the life of Christ can be manifested in our body. Manifest means shown to everybody. He says, verse 11, for we which live are always delivered unto death for Christ's sake. And by the way, they were that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our mortal flesh. Now look, let me, let me just get to it right here. What he was saying is, all the things that happen to me should be used to manifest or show to this world Jesus Christ. You know what most people are showing to this world, Jesus Christ? If we judge Jesus, if this world judged Jesus Christ by Christians, Jesus would be a quitter in some instances. I mean, not that he is, but they're basing it off of your life. Do you understand that? And I'm not trying to dump on us. I'm saying that God can, let's think of it in positive terms. God can use our life to be a witness to this world. That's the point I'm making. Do you understand the opportunity you have? And no matter what's going on in our life, we need to stop and say, God, what's going on? He goes, don't worry about it. I'm going to use you to be a witness to this world of the legitimacy of Jesus Christ. 
And then he says, it's not faithless. Look at verse 12. He says, so then death worketh in us. He says, man, we're dying because of this, but life in you. See, Paul saw what happened to him. He saw it through the results of the people that they were reaching through Christ and the people that they were encouraging in Christ. Verse 13, we having the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believe and therefore have I spoken, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing he, that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall also raise us up also by Christ, by Jesus, and shall present us with you. And basically, he said, I have the faith to understand that my life is counting for Christ, I'm fulfilling his purpose, and for him, even if that means I get to heaven a little bit early, it's just all about Christ. That's what faith is. Faith is seeing what's going on in your life from the lens of, you know what, it may not be best for me, but I want to make it best for Christ. That's, 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 not, that's not being faithless. Many people have had to choose to live an eternally focused life. That's what you need to choose to do. That takes faith. William Carey, the father of modern missions, he was a lifelong missionary to India. His family did everything they could to keep him from doing that. And they couldn't. C.T. Studd, who also gave up great wealth and, and fame as a cricket player to be a missionary. He had a Christian family. A Christian family. And when he told his family what he was doing, not only did his family, but they got their pastor to come try and talk him out of it. But he still went. I can tell you pastors all over this country that have been called later on in life and they had good jobs, they had good careers, and they had other things they could have done, making money and being comfortable, but they chose to follow God. Let's, let's make it a little more personal here. People in our church who, who give up time on Saturdays and come early on Sundays and stay a little later on Sundays and, and, and come out on Tuesdays and come whatever they're doing so they can serve God. They're giving up their time. It may not be a, a, what we call a huge sacrifice, but they're willing to do it for the cause of Christ. People who give, and we have givers in our church so we can accomplish things. And then it's not fruitless. Look at verse 15. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through thanksgiving of many others redound to the glory of God. He says it is going to be profitable and bring God glory. And you have to see the fruit of that before it ever happens. Look, farmers don't go out, they, they dig a hole, throw the seed, show up the next day and say, where's the fruit? Takes lots of effort, takes lots of patience, and it takes lots of time. And by the way, quitters never see fruit. They don't. Fruit comes from sticking it out. By the way, we have a great church, and it's fabulous and all that, and I could talk about it forever, but we've been here for 35 years. We didn't have this kind of church the first year. Okay? We had the kind of church where it'd be good if you were packing heat on Sundays. Gang fights and other things going on. It was crazy. Sometimes I question why I was there. You know, we always had parking problems. We were there on a Thursday night, and I parked my, I had a minivan, and I parked mine right close to the entranceway of the church, and there was all kinds of cars blocking my in, and during the service, someone made their way through all those cars to break my window. That was a target. People breaking into pastor's house. Okay? Well, that's another story for another day. Torching his garage. But it's like, look, it didn't ha this didn't happen overnight. 
My, most of you would not have come to our church at that time. I question why I went, all right? Are you with me? I'm like, hey, kids, stay away from, <laughs> stay away from the entranceway. That's where the fights are. Make sure you stick over here, and, uh, you know, we'll keep you safe. But, but look, we're, we're here for 35 years. The longer a church is going on, the more faithful. And by the way, I hope in 70 years we're still going strong, and the next generation takes over, and it's even better. But it takes time. Here's the point. At some point, you are going to be tempted to quit. Don't do it. God has been good to you. Jesus has been good to us. And what we're trying to do in this church, and more importantly than that, to be honest with you, what God wants to do in your life is more important than quitting. Satan has so many things he throws our way to get us off track. Don't fall for it, okay? You may, I know you're going through difficult times. and Maybe you have some things you need to clean up in your life. I'd, for the sake of Christ, clean it up. Maybe you have some discouragement, some emotional things in your life. Maybe you need someone to just to give you a spiritual hug or, or just get in your Bible and get with somebody and talk to about what's going on and be encouraged. It's worth it because what God wants to do in your life is far more important than that. Let's not quit. Let's keep going forward. Let's stand together this evening. Let's bow our head and close our eyes for a minute, if we may. I could, if I wanted to be negative, and I don't want to be negative. I've been here, as I mentioned, for 35 years. I could give you stories of many who have quit too early. The fact of the matter is I could write a book. You know, they gave their reasons. Well, pastor, this church is just this. I'm going to go to another church. Can I just tell you something? 95 times out of 100, they don't go to another church. And some of them God was using. And God was using them to be a light to this world. And the saddest thing is they lost God's purpose. You know why I'm excited to be here every Sunday because I see what God's trying to do and I want to get in on it and I want to fulfill his purpose in my life. I hope that's your desire. And I'm not saying that you won't go through difficult times. We have a, we have a strong enemy and we have a weak flesh, but let's not give in. Let's double down. That's what commitment is. It's like a good marriage. You could have, you ask a couple that's been married for 50 years, no couple's going to lie to you and tell me that they never had an issue or, they, you know, the flesh didn't kick in or whatever. No, they're in love and they're committed to one another. And no matter what happens, it's not going to undermine their purpose. Don't let it undermine your spiritual purpose. A room this size, I know some of you, you've probably lost your spiritual vision. I hope some of you parents haven't lost your vision for your family. We could talk on that forever. Your children are too important for you to go sideways. You need to stand up for Christ. Piano's going to play. If God spoke to you, why don't you come? We're not all backslid, but say, Lord, early on in my Christian life, I told the Lord, I said, I don't want to quit on you ever. I'd rather die. Those weren't just words, I wanted it to be true in my life.